everyone, welcome back to Very Factual Podcast. We're your hosts, Kayla. And Isabella, and we are so late to this, but last Friday we had some breaking news. It came out of the blue. Jurgen Klopp announced that he will be leaving Liverpool at the end of the season after almost a nine-year stint at the club. And this, it like took me by surprise. I could, I I didn't believe it. Like I woke up one morning and all, all my notifications are Jurgen Klopp is leaving. It's crazy. It honestly, it disappoints me so much. He's amazing, mm-hmm. especially at Liverpool. He's like, He's made for them, and I. It came out of nowhere. Like it was probably the last thing I ever expected to see when I when you sent me that. I was literally like, "No way!" Yeah, like, it was, it was like, so sad. It literally came out of nowhere. There was no link saying that he will leave. And literally on an interview last Friday, we found out the reason why, and the reason was like why he's leaving. It's because he's running out of energy. Which and is so sad. I know. It makes it sound like, you know, he's just made for Liverpool. And I understand because Liverpool, it's, you know, one of the best teams in the world. You have to be in it. And he's been coaching for a while. I believe mm-hmm. he's in his 60s or something. And he's just been in management for a really long time. But it really shocked me because I did not expect to see this for a while longer like I thought he would be at Liverpool for at least a few more years but I just did not expect to see it so soon no yeah I mean see I knew he was going to leave like soon but not this soon like I was just like within like the next like at least two years yeah not right now and when I saw I was literally like no way like it actually made me so sad because like I said he's made for Liverpool he's not Mm -hmm. And I know he's getting drained. He is old, but like, well, he I don't want to say old because he, there are older people. But like, yeah. he's getting older, and it's just you. I get why he wants to leave. It's understandable, but still, I think he is probably. I want to say he's probably the Liverpool's best ever manager, especially in mm-hmm. modern times. He's won seven trophies with them. He's won Champions League, Super Cup, Club World Cup, Premier League, Carabao Cup, FA Cup, Community Shield. He's won literally everything there is to win and I know he will go down not just in Liverpool history but in like Premier Premier League history as one of the greatest ever managers because of what he's accomplished no yeah for sure he's accomplished so much he's like he's like how uh Sir Alex was to Manchester United that's how he is to um Liverpool Liverpool he's like he's gonna go down in history and you just know it yeah he came into a Liverpool side in 2015 and Liverpool were struggling and he mm-hmm. literally changed them around, turned them into one of the best teams in the world. And he said that, I believe it was in, her, in his interview, he said, I've set Liverpool up for the future. And the thing is, when you think of Liverpool, you think of Klopp. Like, he is Liverpool, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. he's instilled so much of his tactics in there. He's, br- like got so many incredible players that will be Liverpool legends like Virgil van Dijk, Mo Salah, like those, they will go down Liverpool history. And after all he's accomplished, he can leave what he wants. He can leave if he wants, but it's just very sad to see. It is. And I wonder how the players are also taking it. Like, yeah, they've been like, especially like Mo Salah, he's been with them for a while. So Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be rough. But also like, I mean, like I said, I understand why he's getting older. He's running out of energy, which is so devastating. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's literally the end of an era. 
like it really is pep versus club it's like at its prime right now but Mm -hmm. it's just it's so sad to see and i think i think the hardest thing will be to replace him because of that liverpool like dna that like there's so much of him in the club and it's going to be hard for Liverpool fans to see a different style of play because they've been used to seeing this, like, Klopp style for, like, nine years. But the bright side is he said this early, so Liverpool have time to look for a replacement. Like, he didn't just say this last day of the season, so they do have time, and hopefully they can pick someone good out. I hope so, too, and it's just... Also, the players are going to have to get used to a new coach, yes. new manager, new everything. So it's just going to be a big shift in Liverpool. They will fall just a little bit. I feel like it's a little expected because they're going to have to get used to a new manager. But I feel like since he instilled all those skills that he had, that Klopp had, it, they're going to be okay. Yeah, and we already have like links coming out on who's going to be the next Liverpool manager. And I'm going to read some out. Just like These are kind of like the main ones. So Roberto De Zerbi from Brighton. I, I think it's good, but it's probably not my top pick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's okay. I think I think he is good. Like, he's done good with Brighton. It's just, I feel like this could be a Graham Potter situation. Like, we saw when That's, Potter yeah. went to Chelsea, it didn't work. Um, a lot of people are saying that it, it could be really positive. Like, he'll he's Premier League proven and stuff. But to me, it's just not the number one choice. Unai Emery is another one. Aston Villa. I, I feel like this is more realistic. Like, I feel yeah. like I could see this happening because he's he's coached big teams. He coached Arsenal. And I don't – I th- this probably – I feel like he's he might be my second choice pick, to be honest with you. I mean, he's pretty good. Like you said, he's coached Arsenal. He brought Aston Villa. He's uh, – they've been doing pretty well recently. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's not a bad choice. Julian Nagelsmann, he used to be Bayern Munich coach. He's super young. He's like 35. And now he's the German national team coach. Uh, I'm not really a fan of his. I I just, he did good at Bayern in the beginning, but then it just fell. He, mm-hmm. he He's not clicking with Germany. And I just feel it's almost too early for him still because he is still so young. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> but the number one pick, the pick that everyone wants all Liverpool fans want him is Xabi Alonso from Bayer Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Liverpool legend. He played under Klopp, and I feel like this could be this. I feel like he would be able to maybe get something out of them because he knows the club. He also knows the tactics that um, Klopp used since yes. he played under him. He'll know. He'll know the basics. Sure, he can incorporate his own structure into the plays too, but also won't be such a big shift to the players where it's something completely new. Yeah, I think he is young too, but what he's doing with Bayer Leverkusen right now, it's just working. You know, mm-hmm. Klopp has like a German style of play and uh, Xabi Alonso is doing it in the Bundesliga. So I, I feel like it could be a good pick. Xabi Alonso said that, you know, he's not focused on that right now. But, you know, I think he has to have an eye on it. You know, it's Liverpool, yeah. probably one of the best clubs in the world. And that's probably who I would want to see as Klopp's successor. No, oh, yeah, I agree. Liverpool's first Premier League game, Jurgen Klopp's farewell tour, began with a 4-1 thrashing against Chelsea. Liverpool would run 
riot with the Jota and impressive youngster Connor Bradley scoring two goals in the first half, Chavazlai and Diaz would net two in the second half, Christopher and Kunku would get one back for Chelsea, but it wasn't enough as Liverpool pulled off another impressive win. Uh, I want to speak in the Chelsea fan in me first. I, I just need to get this off my chest. We've been getting some good results recently. I've I've said that a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I've been kind of ignoring the fact that the wins that we have got, they're all against easy teams. Like Middlesbrough, I believe there was. And I feel like I was just looking at the wins. But this is probably one of the biggest tests we've had to face in a while. And it shows the gap and how far we are off to even being back to what we used to be. I mean, yeah, like, honestly, at the, at the start, you saw Chelsea was pushing a little bit, but the fact that they couldn't get their first goal until the 71st minute, mm-hmm. it says a lot about where they really are standing, because, like you said, I actually kind of agreed with you a little bit, how they were kind of, like, getting better, they were maybe yeah. finding, like, a slight rhythm, but you we ignored the fact that it was against... I don't want to say easier teams because all teams no, but it was challenge, but it was, <laughs> but it was like easier teams. It, yeah. So I mean, Chelsea was finally faced with a real challenge against Liverpool, and it really slapped them in the face. Yeah, I think because Liverpool are flying at the moment. Like mm-hmm. they, they're on like this crazy run. Diogo Jota is so underrated. I literally think he is the best finisher in the Premier League. Like he always delivers when he comes on. Like he always gets a goal. Uh, Shabuzlai was back and really made a difference in this game. But the best player, I think, is Connor Bradley. You know, he's literally a child. I mean, he's older than me, but you get it. Yeah, yeah. He's really establishing himself into the side. He got uh, two assists and he got a goal. I'm really happy to see, like, more Liverpool youngsters coming through. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Curtis Jones are probably, like, the biggest ones, the ones that really made names for themselves. And I know this guy... Connor Bradley will really turn into an integral part of this side. And I'm just, I just love seeing young players performing. It makes me so happy. Yeah. And a young player, like, for example, Bradley here, you can see that Liverpool does have that depth in their squad. Yes. Not just who they currently have, but also who is going to be upcoming on their squad. You see that they have the people that they need. They're not going to be needing a lot, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of new players in a while. Yeah. Like, they're literally giving all they have out on the field. I don't know if it's for Klopp. I don't know if they, like, want to win the Premier League for him, but it's such a good response. And we kind of forgot about Salah. Like, there's so much unity in them. You forget he's there. He's not there. I'm sorry. Um, and they're just scoring goals everywhere. It's, it's you know, we said it's going to be hard without Salah. And then last two games, they scored, like, four or five goals. Like, What? Yeah, and also Mo Salah, he's, like, definitely one of their biggest players. He mm-hmm. definitely is. He's, like, one of the star players. He's, like, one of the covers of um, Liverpool. But also, it's, like, that shows that people are not even shying away from Liverpool just because he's out. Like, they still have so much faith in them. They still have all those players. People aren't, like, oh, Liverpool, not Liverpool, um, Salah isn't playing, so I don't really have to watch the game. People are still really paying attention to this yeah. game. So Chelsea actually have to play Liverpool again in the Carabao Cup final. It's probably it's crazy we are in a final after what I yeah. saw in this game, but we already know who's going to win. Liverpool are going to win because we suck. Like <laughs> we straight up suck. We can't compete unless it's against like bottom of the table teams. 
I'm just, I'm very disappointed in us. I think some of the changes we made, or uh, I was about to say Postacoglu, Pochettino made were horrible. Uh, yeah. It didn't work. Players were playing out of position. We were, we were just getting caught out everywhere. And my expectations are so low for us that losses don't even hurt anymore. <laughs> it's just like, oh, loss again. Oh, well, it's just expected. It's yeah. like you get excited over a win. It's not expected. It's like... It's like, you know, sometimes you get disappointed in a loss mm-hmm. because the team's constantly winning. Like, for example, Liverpool, if they go in a loss, you'd be disappointed. For yeah. Chelsea and, like, even United and players, I mean, teams like that, like, you just, you expect them to lose at this point. Yeah, like, literally no one has answers. Nothing is working, and that's really concerning because Pochettino has been there since July. Even yeah. after we spent a billion pounds, we literally need to buy more players. <laughs> Some of the signings were so useless, like a bunch of these like 17-year-olds on nine-year contracts. Like you seriously are going to wait nine years until you're going to put them into the team. Like, come on. No, you need it's players very now. Useless. It's very yeah. useless. Yeah, for real. I don't think – I'm still backing Pochettino. I feel like it's not really his problem – like, I mean, you know, you can put some of the blame on him, but I think yeah. it's, I think he's made us a little bit better. I just think it's the players that don't work together, like Todd Bowley and his little mm-hmm. group there. There is no plan. We wanted to sign Ronaldo at some point. That Which just definitely would not have been good. No, I, that would have been like a, the Manchester United thing all over again. I, yeah. Oh my gosh. I would cry. <laughs> we, we let Liverpool have 28 shots. The defense is open. We can't score. We're, we aren't playing players to the fir- to their full potential. Moises Caicedo, we signed. He looked amazing at Brighton. We thought he was going to save us. He did not. He literally does nothing. Enzo Fernandez, he was amazing at the World Cup. He does nothing. We're literally still re- relying on like a 40-year-old Thiago Silva at the back. So it's, it's starting to slump a little bit because oh, of his age. Definitely. So. I mean, you can't rely on people for so long. And who's their replacement? No one until in nine years. Like, yeah, it's it's just sad to see. Like, I, I, I'm very disappointed. But then again, it's like I I kind of expected us to lose. Yeah. February started out great for United fans with a 4-3 win against Wolves with the first goal being scored very early by Rashford in the 5th minute, followed by Hoyland in the 22nd minute. First half ended with a 2-0 lead for United and second half kicked off and Wolves was rewarded a penalty given to Sarbia for a 2-1 score. United didn't give up like they normally do and McTominay scored just 3 minutes later putting United in a 2-goal lead yet again. The game grew more aggressive and Max Kilman scored for Wolves. Soon later, in added time, Neto, Neto tied the game 3-3. to It looked as though United was back at their slacking selves like they normally are until a lucky shot by Manu. You got it! Manu! <laughs> in the seventh minute, added time, giving United their three points that they definitely needed. And honestly, going into this game, I kind of expected United to win. I, I assumed it would be a bit of a challenge, but I thought they would win. But they ended up slacking certain points of the game, and I'm happy that they pulled it together at the end. But also, you got to give credit to Wolves. They pushed the mm-hmm. entire game, and they just got a little bit unlucky. United did get lucky with their final goal. But yeah. they just – they got – Wolves got unlucky. They were literally pushing the entire game half – 
ended 2-0. They were losing by two goals, and they still somehow managed to tie it up at some point. So, I mean, it was a very great game. Yeah, I thought it was very entertaining. It was probably the most entertaining game we saw. It Yes, last-minute winners are really cool, but I feel like there was almost more negatives than they are positives because... Mm-hmm. Actually, I'll get to the negatives in a second. I actually... <laughs> I actually thought they started off pretty good. You know, they got the early goal. They were 2-0 up at halftime, but then they capitulated towards the end like they've been doing all season. They let Wolves come back into it twice. Like, Wolves yeah. were down two, like by two goals twice in this game. It literally could have ended in a tie if it wasn't for Kobe Mino. Literally a, a kid, another kid. He scored a goal. He got through so many players, like, on his own. He did it all on his own. It was amazing. He stayed Mm -hmm. composed, and he ended it with a really clean finish. And I think he's probably one of United's best players, and he looks to be one of the only ones who really cares and plays for that badge. He really does. He's there. He's there to play. He's there to score. He's there for a reason. And Mm -hmm. United players, I don't think that they give him, not players, fans, they don't really give him enough credit because they're looking at the fact that like United won. And at first I did look at that too, but then I was like, oh, it's a new name. It's something you wouldn't really expect. Yeah. And when I rewatched the goal, it was actually amazing. He did phenomenal. Yeah, I think something that I found very ironic in this game and something really funny was when Rashford scored because in their in their FA Cup game last week, he went clubbing on a Friday or no, he went clubbing on a Thursday. He didn't show up to training Friday because he said he was sick. Um, Sir, you were just hung over there. Yeah. Um, so he was left out for that game, but then he came back in this game and he scored like 10 Ag started him like right away and I kind of I think the only reason Tanag started him was because there was literally no one else like they don't have the depth they need mm-hmm. players to perform especially Rashford like what we saw with him last season because he is like a senior player you could say now he's like Manchester through and through and I just thought it was very funny that he scored literally five minutes in and just shushed like everyone that was talking about him no yeah it was pretty funny but I mean I mean, can you expect why? I mean, I, whoa, I know why people were talking about him. Cause I mean, it makes sense, but like, yeah. he's kind of, he, we were talking about earlier in an earlier podcast, how, um, Rashford has been kind of slacking recently, mm-hmm. but he's kind of on the up a little bit. He's been sure he hasn't been at that practice on Friday and stuff, but, um, he's been trying, he got a few goals recently, so he's clearly not himself as he was last season, but you cannot expect the player to be the same exact way he was last season. Yeah, I thought Rashford played good, like, in the first half. I think the first half, everyone looked positive, but, you know, Wolves are not a bad side, and they have been quite good this season. They have been upsetting some big teams, and they just really woke up. They got some mm-hmm. late goals, and they, I think they should be proud of themselves because of, like, you know, they came... They came back super late in the game. They put so much pressure on United, and they literally could have walked away with a draw if it wasn't for the super last-minute goal. But it yeah. just it, it all came down to United's most informed player right now, and just Wolves shouldn't be upset with themselves. I think they did very good, and I would be proud of myself for putting into in a performance like that. I would be too. Honestly, you got to give them like most of the credit for this game. I feel like United wouldn't have won if Wolves didn't push them so hard because Mm -hmm. if it was just a team that was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, kind of just try maybe here and there, but Wolves pushed them. So it kind of forced United to push too. And it was just, it was a great game. 
Arsenal played Forest and won by a close call of 2-1. First half remained 0-0 until second half when Gabriel Jesus scored the opening goal finally in the 65th minute. About five minutes later, Bukayo Saka scored, giving Arsenal a two-goal lead. Forrest attempted to tie it up, but Iwanui scored in the 89th minute, giving little time to score more and tie it up. And honestly, I knew Arsenal was going to win this, so I, this wasn't much of a surprise for me. But Bukayo Saka is kind of coming back. Like, we saw he's been burnt out recently, mm-hmm. but, you know, hopefully he's he took, that, he took a little bit of a break. He maybe tried to, you know relax a little like bit less yeah, yeah less pressure on him and he he might be he might be coming back who knows but you got to give it to Forrest for keeping a tie for as long as they did like zero to zero against Arsenal for yeah. that long is an accomplishment for a team like Forrest I think for Arsenal finally we're seeing them build some sort of m- momentum like mm-hmm. we saw the Crystal Palace when they got when they won like 5-0 I believe or maybe 5-1 I, I remember there was a five in there but yeah. they just really dominated Forrest net the whole game like literally the whole game and I'm I'm surprised it took them so long to score because they had some really key chances like everywhere I think it was just kind of frustrating like nothing they kept going and going and nothing was breaking the the defense but all the goals they scored were were all well worth for all that possession they had like uh Jesus he beat Matt Turner at his near post which is literally the worst place for a goalkeeper to concede and that's Mm -hmm. Jesus's goal his first goal in five games, which is, it's good. You know, Arsenal need goal scorers right now. And like you said, Saka, he's starting to build up that form. I don't think he had like a super part, like a super good game, but in like when he got his goal, it kind of turned around. It was a goal they needed and it just put, it put his confidence up to show that he's still in that team and he's still showing that he's a key player. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, with the um, Arsenal dominating the game, they had 74% possession. Yeah. I mean, you can't ask for any more from Arsenal. They had, they're they forming that um, momentum together. They have players. Sure, they don't have that striker that they really need, but they have players that can still score goals, as we see. It's just the fact of you need that one that can always con- continuously keep them at least that two-goal lead so they can constantly have like a set-in-stone win yeah something about arsenal that i noticed is that even though they kind of dropped out of the title race they don't look like they're panicking like they're in their Mm -hmm. own world they're getting their results they're taking it step by step game by game they're not worrying about the cities and the liverpools above them they're just doing their own thing and that's actually something that i've like realized recently it's like i don't want to say they're not competing because they are but they're not i think panicking is like the right word yeah, I mean, you see in Chelsea, you see in Manchester United, you see in a bunch of teams, actually, that when they come to a loss or when they're starting to lose, even by, like, one goal, they're they're still winning, but it's still a one-goal differential, they start to panic, and they they take it as, you know, individual, but Arsenal, yeah. they keep their composure, and they stay as a team no matter what place they're in. Yeah, I think the only thing is that Arsenal, I don't think they have, I've mentioned this before, I don't think they have the personnel to keep up with Liverpool and City. Mm-hmm. We've talked about their squad depth, how Liverpool and City always have people scoring, and I think that's Arsenal's problem. They aren't, Arsenal's not a bad side, it's just you're trying to compete with two of the best teams in the world who are literally miles off you, and I think we've said that Liverpool and City are are in their own bracket, and I think Arsenal can challenge for like third or fourth place I just think with how Liverpool and City are now I don't 
think they'll be able to get a title win if they keep performing like this. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, they there's just like nothing else to say. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Tottenham Spurs played Brentford and clutched a very close win of 3-2. Brentford surprisingly opened the scoring in the 15th minute, and the score remained 1-0 the entire first half. Second half started, and Spurs wasted no time to gain a lead with Udogi and Johnson scoring (laughs) scoring just one minute apart from each other. Seven minutes later, Richarlison scored again for Spurs, giving them a 3-1 lead. Brentford attempted to tie it up by scoring one more goal in the 67th minute by Ivan Tony, but failed to get one more. And, I mean, I expected this outcome for Spurs to score first, but, I mean, sorry. I expected this outcome, but I thought Spurs would score first. Mm-hmm. Um, Spurs did come out strong in second half. It must have been one pep talk in the locker room because they did really uh, make a comeback. Yeah, it was it was another really entertaining game. Spurs started off slow. You know, the defense was meh. It did not look good. But, yeah. you know, they looked like a new team in the second half. And you literally, like, stole exactly what I was going to say. Whatever Tostacoglu said in the locker room literally worked. Like, Brentford haven't been at their best lately. And they're going up against a really good Spurs side. And that probably didn't even... That didn't make it any easier for them. Like, Spurs are, like, a proper team now. Like, you can actually say they can challenge for stuff. And I think they – Spurs, I think, will be, like, the main top four challengers because they are the the favorites to uh, finish fourth. Mm-hmm. I said that injuries would affect them dramatically, but it literally looks like they're past their worst. And it wasn't even that bad if you think of, about it. No, yeah. I mean, clearly um, Spurs, they did have that little downfall, but it wasn't as bad as I expected yeah. it to be. I expected it to be so much worse, like – like, you know, Manchester United level, Chelsea oh, yeah. level worse. But they didn't. They still kept it together. And I feel like Spurs, they have a lot. I feel like everyone underestimates them constantly. And they're they're just they're not who I thought they were. I mean, I knew they were good, but I didn't know that they that they would be able to, you know, pick themselves back up as they did. Yeah, and it all we all know who it comes down to. It's all mm-hmm. pasta coglu. Because Spurs have had some really top managers. Like, they had Pochettino. They had Jose Mourinho. They had Antonio Conte. And then you get this guy who's from Australia who coached a Scottish team. And now he made Spurs into an actual top six side. Like, one of the best sides in England. Like, And something that I really like about him is he sticks to what he knows. He does not overthink. And everything is paying off. Like, he is – he's not influenced by anybody. Like, he won't adapt to other people's game. Like, he plays his own thing. And he makes other people adapt to it. Yeah, he knows knows his style of play. He knows that you either fit into Spurs or you don't. And you either play Spurs game or you don't. There's no in between. Yeah, I think he he will definitely win – a trophy with Spurs this season I just don't think or I'm sorry I think he will win a a trophy with Spurs but not this season I think I think next season we could see like a really I think we could see them challenge for something definitely yeah we could see because they still need to get a little bit I want to say used to each other because this Mm -hmm. is the first season that they have without Kane so it is a bit of like a um, okay we got to actually work with each other now so I feel like next Mm -hmm. season will definitely be a big pickup for them Tottenham Spurs played Brentford and clutched a very close win of 3-2. Brentford surprisingly opened the scoring in the 15th minute, and the score remained 1-0 the entire first half. 
Second half started and Spurs wasted no time to gain a lead with U- Udogi and Johnson scoring you got it. just <laughs> scoring just one minute apart from each other. Seven minutes later, Richarlison scored again for Spurs, giving them a three to one lead. Brentford attempted to tie it up by scoring one more goal in the 67th minute by Ivan Tony, but failed to get one more. And I mean, I expected this outcome for Spurs to score first, but I mean, sorry, I expected this outcome, but I thought Spurs would score first. Mm-hmm. Um, Spurs did come out strong in second half. It must have been one pep talk in the locker room because they did really uh, make a comeback. Yeah, it was it was another really entertaining game. Spurs started off slow. You know, the defense was meh. It did not look good. But, you know, they looked like a new team in the second half. And you literally, like, stole exactly what I was going to say. Whatever Postacoglu said in the locker room literally worked. Like, Brentford haven't been at their best lately. And they're going up against a really good Spurs side. And that probably didn't even – that didn't make it any easier for them. Like, Spurs are, like, a proper team now. Like, you can actually say they can challenge for stuff. And I think they – Spurs, I think, will be, like, the main top four challengers because they are the the favorites to uh, finish fourth. Mm-hmm. I said that injuries would affect them dramatically, but it literally looks like they're past their worst. And it wasn't even that bad if you think of, about it. No, yeah. I mean, clearly um, Spurs, they did have that little downfall, but it wasn't as bad as I expected yeah. it to be. I expected it to be so much worse, like – like, you know, Manchester United level, Chelsea oh, yeah. level worse. But they didn't. They still kept it together. And I feel like Spurs, they have a lot. I feel like everyone underestimates them constantly. And they're they're just they're not who I thought they were. I mean, I knew they were good, but I didn't know that they that they would be able to, you know, pick themselves back up as they did. Yeah, and it all we all know who it comes down to. It's all mm-hmm. pasta coglu. Because Spurs have had some really top managers. Like, they had Pochettino. They had Jose Mourinho. They had Antonio Conte. And then you get this guy who's from Australia who coached a Scottish team. And now he made Spurs into an actual top six side. Like, one of the best sides in England. Like And something that I really like about him is he sticks to what he knows. He does not overthink. And everything is paying off. Like, he is... He's not influenced by anybody. Like, he won't adapt to other people's game. Like, he plays his own thing. And he makes other people adapt to it. Yeah, he knows knows his style of play. He knows that you either fit into Spurs or you don't. And you either play Spurs game or you don't. There's no in-between. Yeah, I think he, he will definitely win... A trophy with Spurs this season I just don't think or I'm sorry I think he will win a, a trophy with Spurs but not this season I yeah. think I think next season we could see like a really I think we could see them challenge for something definitely yeah we could see because they still need to get a little bit I want to say used to each other because this mm-hmm. is the first season that they have without Kane so yeah. it is a bit of like a um okay we got to actually work with each other now so I feel like next mm-hmm. season will definitely be a big pickup for them Manchester City took on Burnley, getting a 3-1 win at home. Julian Alvarez would get two goals in the first half. Rodri would then put City 3-0 up with a goal just after halftime. Burnley would get a goal in the 93rd minute, but it didn't mean much as City would take all three points. We knew how this game would look like. The last time they played each other, City won 3-0, and I just I think Burnley... They have not lived up to my expectations. Like, I thought they were going to be a surprise this season 
uh, like seeing what they did in the championship, but they have been really struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that they might like pose a bit of a threat. Not not much because it's city. They're like we've mentioned, they're completely mm-hmm. like out of everyone's kind of um skill level. But I mean, I just expected a little bit more from them. I'm looking at the possession right now. It was 75% City and only 25% Burnley. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone knew City was going to dominate this game. Yeah. According to how they were last time. But still, I just expected like a little bit more. Like the shots, 14 to 8. It's just almost double. And like, you know, Burnley, I know they're not, no one is really at the same level as City. But, you know, you just expect a little bit more. Yeah, I Julian Alvarez, I think, looked incredible. I think he's mm-hmm. really stepped up for Holland, who's been injured recently. I mean, he came back later in the game, but I just think it's it's like you didn't even miss Holland. Because... Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you can go. <laughs> you can go. Um, I mean, I was just going to say, Julian Alvarez, like, he's definitely, like you said, stepped up. He's I feel like he's City's, I want to say, backup Holland, because they don't really have one goal scorer like yeah like you would like I used to think you know Holland was their only goal scorer and then I realized City really has that depth in their squad they have Alvarez they have Rodri they have so many people that can score it's kind of like a Liverpool situation yeah where like everyone can score no matter what um De Bruyne he worked his magic like uh, Alvarez's second goal, right? It was a free kick but Kevin De Bruyne he found like this spot where literally no one else can see but him. Like, he has, like, this vision. And it's insane. And that's why City can, can like, take advantage of so many games because of Kevin De Bruyne's, like, mm-hmm. his his vision, his opportunities. He sees things we can't. And I think he's probably one of City's most integral players. He definitely is. He's absolutely phenomenal. I feel like City, they don't really have a bad player. Like, you can't label no. any of their players as bad or... I want to say useless, but, like, no players are really useless. It's just, you know, useless to the team. Like, none of them are. Everyone has a purpose in that squad. And mm-hmm. there's always, even if they don't start or haven't even played a game this season, they're there for a reason because it's City. City keeps who they need and gets rid of the people they don't. Yeah, there's literally not much to say. You know, City dominated. They're back to their best. I think they could win the Premier League. They're just so far above everyone else. And you just don't mm-hmm. see them dropping any more points like any crazy points I could say like maybe they'll drop like one or something but yeah just any drastic changes I don't think we'll see and I just think they're only on the way up from here I think I'm very I'm very confident in City this season we always have been even when they were falling a little bit Mm -hmm. you knew that they were just going to pick themselves back up and this is them proving themselves that they can yeah and that's all we have for you guys today we had (laughs) we had the midweek premier league and then we'll be back on monday with another episode yes so thank you everyone for listening don't forget to follow our instagram and youtube at very factual podcast